BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to episode 39 of Hashtag No Filter. I am pumped for today's episode. And I know I say I'm excited for every episode, and I am. I, I'm excited about every episode because I wouldn't have the people on that I have if I wasn't excited about interviewing them. However, today's is really special. It was a bit of a fangirl moment for me, if we're being honest. I had the honor and pleasure to interview the incredible Elisa Licht. Now, if you aren't familiar with Elisa, although I am sure... Most of you, if not all of you, are familiar with Elisa, but in case you're not, she was DKNY PR Girl. Remember when DKNY PR Girl was anonymous and there was like an illustrated avatar and then finally they came out with who it was and it was Elisa behind it the whole time and I think they came out they came out with an um they came out with who it was I believe in 2011 and it was it was like this huge thing and really Elisa and and DKNY PR Girl was the first fashion brand to really take kind of to capitalize on on Twitter and take you know and and use Twitter to help promote the business and encourage you know um conversation surrounding the brand and that was Elisa and it's just it was such a cool time and I just remember following it vividly and it was just so much fun so anyway Elisa was DKNY PR girl she worked uh, with Donna Karen uh, for years. She was there for a long time. She was the SVP of global communications at Donna Karen for a, a while. And then, and then most recently, she was with Allison Olivia as the EVP of brand marketing and communications over at Allison Olivia. Just most recently, she's no longer with Allison Olivia because she's working on her own brand, which is Leave Your Mark. You were probably most of you, if not all of you, are familiar with Elisa's book, Leave Your Mark. And um, it's actually soon going to be a podcast, which is very exciting. And Elisa, to me, when I think PR, specifically fashion PR, but just PR in general, I think of Elisa. She is like the, she's everything when it comes to PR. She is the most knowledgeable, insightful, funny, real, tells it like it is, kind of shows you a little bit behind the scenes. That, that is her. She is just such, she's just so smart and just so knowledgeable of the industry. I mean, she's been doing this for a while and she's really, she's incredible. Uh, and what I love also is that she encourages people to ask her questions, ask her questions 
to like directly to her. You can do so through her site and she will get back to you. She, not some, you know, someone working for her. She will get back to you with the advice as like a mentor. She is, you know, really a mentor to people. Her book, Leave Your Mark has been, is an incredible book. And it's really like a mentorship, the book. It's more than just a book. It's a mentorship. I've loved following Elisa's career. I've been following her for a long time and I'm so excited to have her on. Actually, the reason I, not the reason, but the way I got her on is I posted on my Instagram, you might have seen weeks ago about, you know, some people I'd love to have on the podcast. And Elisa was one of them. I think I posted five people or something. And she wrote back. She started following me. And then she wrote back and she's like, yeah, I'd love to be on it. I was like, oh my God, really? Really? Half Techno Filter? Really? And, um, and she was on. So we had a really great conversation. I highly recommend like taking notes because I learned so much even for myself, uh, for my own business. And I just think you are really going to benefit from this and enjoy our conversation. So without further ado, here is Aliza Licht on episode 39 of Hashtag No Filter. Welcome, Aliza. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Julie? I'm good. I'm so excited you're on. I just told Aliza that I'm drinking a glass of wine, even though it's 11 a.m., but that's just how, and I invited Aliza to drink as well. <laughs> But not all of us do that. Elisa's having coffee. <laughs> right. She's with her coffee. I'm with my wine. Um, okay. So I am so excited Elisa is here. And let's just start. I know probably everyone listening has been following Elisa for a while, but in case anyone hasn't or they want a bit of a, you know, a, a briefer on, on who exactly she is, can you give us a little synopsis on your background, how you got to where you are today and what you're currently doing? Sure. So I um, have spent over 20 years working in the fashion industry, started on the magazine side of the business and editorial, and then moved over to the brand side in the late 90s. So I am a marketing and communications um, executive uh, over the from, you know, brands like Donna Karen and DKNY to Alice and Olivia. And um, I actually just left my full-time job at Alice and Olivia in March. So now I am consulting on my own in digital brand marketing communication. Amazing. And I'm the author of a book called Leave Your Mark. Yes, of which I'm obsessed with, and I'm sure most people listening are as well. And of course, and your Forbes column as well, I love. Oh, thank you. I love that. Um, so you're, okay, so now what would you say is your favorite thing about what you're currently doing? Um, you know, because I know you went from working I'm going to say nine to five in quotes because I know it's it's never nine to yeah. five, <laughs> but going from kind of a right. desk, quote unquote, desk job to now, you know, being on your own and you are your own brand. What would you say, you know, is your favorite thing about what you're currently doing now and how has that transition been? So it's a two part question. And how has that transition been from, you know, working behind a desk to now kind of doing your own thing? Yeah. So I think the, the, the first thing is, um, pretty easy. It's the freedom to mm -hmm. do whatever you want, obviously. But what that means for me right now is, is really moving outside of fashion. I mean, still working in, with fashion brands, but also being able to do, you know, health and wellness and beauty and, and tech and, and just having more of an eclectic mix as to, you know, what I'm working on has been really interesting. I mean, I just got off the phone with someone who's executive producing, um, a show and, you know, wow. you know, working on something like that is, is super interesting too. So I, I just love how varied the days are. Mm -hmm. Um, I love, I loved being part of a brand and I love being immersed, you know, in a team and, and working toward a common goal, but this is, you know, I did that for a really long time. So it's just a nice change of pace. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say is the most, maybe, I don't know if your least favorite, but the most challenging thing about kind of going from that, you know, 
nine to five again in quotes to this it would what, what would you find the most challenging like do you go do you work from home is does do you find that challenging you have to get out of the house a lot or what what would you say so I definitely do not work from home you, I, um, no, you can't do be, that I, I just no I can't do that um I I sort of have two I have an up down office and a downtown office in quotes so downtown um I spend my days at Soho House and I just kind of book people to come throughout the day. Um, or I'll go to obviously a brand's office right uptown. I, I kind of love the Lowe's Regency hotel on park Avenue and 61st street. Good to know. I lived there for a while <laughs> when I was, when I had two floods in my apartment. So oh, that's kind of very much like home as well. So, and they, and they don't mind when you sit there for hours and drink <laughs> like one cup of coffee. So, um, I would say, I would say the geography of planning your day is, is a challenge just because you know, I, I, I don't want to come home at the end of the day and feel like I've been running a marathon because right. you can, especially in New York, between just navigating across town, uptown, it can feel like a lot. But I also think, um, you know, another challenge is that things take time to happen, you mm -hmm. know, so you could have one or two or three meetings with a potential client and, you know, then start negotiations on, you know, what the scope looks like and what your rate is and, and all of that, you know, is is a hustle. Right. So it's definitely, um, it's definitely not an easier route. Um, right. I think in a lot of ways sitting at sitting at the same desk all day and, and, and sort of being immersed in a company is easier. Yeah, absolutely. And do you, do you typically keep a structured schedule? Like where you're out of the house by a certain time, most days, like you keep it pretty structured, even though you are working for yourself. Yes. Yeah. So I take my kids to school every morning. So I am dressed and ready to go. And I would say for the most part, I, I go straight into meetings of some kind. Yeah. Um, and then um, on certain days, I'll end early to go um, do a gym class or do whatever. Right, right. Got More it. Got like it. So do you believe in the whole work life balance thing? I feel like I've asked this question a lot on my podcast and some people are like, there's no such thing as work life balance, especially if you're your own brand and others, you know, are the opposite. What do you feel about work life balance? I think there absolutely is work life balance. Good. <laughs> if you are, if you are disciplined to make sure that there is work life balance. Right. Okay. Um, you know, I think, I think, I think you have to, you have to make time for yourself or you're no good to anyone. Right. Like if you don't take care of yourself, how are you going to show up to anyone else? <laughs> is what I feel. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Even, even if you're your own brand, right? Like I feel like there's always time in the day to whether it's going to a gym class or meeting a friend for a coffee or drink, right? There's always time. You can make the time. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And I also think, you know, especially, you know, as a mom, I have two kids. I have a 14 year old son and an 11 year old daughter. Like you know, they, they need me too. Yeah. So it's not just making time for me, it's making time for them and my, my husband, you right. know, I mean, obviously, um, and, um, and Teddy Licht, who's yes. making my hand Can't right forget now Teddy <laughs> <laughs> Wait, What's so funny is you just said your 14 year old son and your 11 year old daughter. I remember when I started following you, it was the six and it what would it have been? The six year old and the nine year or like, I remember when you talked about them when they were so young, they're like, yeah. You know what? Actually, it's really funny. There was so on Twitter back back in the day, it was the four year old and the seven year old. Oh my god! It's crazy. 
That's crazy. Is so yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. It's a good metric though. It's a good metric to hear because it's like, wow, that's a long time. That's a long for, time. For yes. For that long. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. Well, speaking of Twitter. So when you were with DKNY, you were really, at least in my eyes, you were really the first fashion brand to take off in terms of social media, specifically Twitter as DKNY PR girl. And of course that was huge and such a game changer for the whole industry, I feel. So what inspired you at the time to jump head first into Twitter and keep yourself anonymous at first? Did it did it kind of just evolve or was it planned out or how did that whole kind of evolution take place? Yeah. So, you know, we were sitting around as a team um, thinking about, you know, we had a Facebook page, but Twitter had just sort of recently become, I guess, more relevant um, in our industry. And and there really were no fashion brands um, doing it. So we were really kind of paving our own way. And you know, as a publicist for so many years working for, you know, an amazing creative like Donna Karen, Mm -hmm. we worked really hard to make sure that, you know, we were great spokespeople on her behalf. And I think, you know, publicists in general, whether you were representing a designer or a celebrity or a CEO, you know, crafting that soundbite was always the priority and making sure that the person you were representing sounded the best that they could. So, when we were thinking about the handles, you know, my big concern was, well, you know, if it's at Donna Karen then on Twitter, then inevitably people will think that Donna Karen herself is speaking mm-hmm. because it'll sound like a person. So it was, you know, very simply Gossip Girl season two. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, why does it have to be, you know, why can't it be Donna Karen? PR person? And why can't we just make it anonymous? So I came up with you know, my PR girl and had it represented um, as a fashion illustration. And we were a little bit naive in the sense that um, we thought that, you know, no one's going to care who's doing it, right? Mm -hmm. It can be anonymous. It can be this character. In my mind, it was very much like paper dolls. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to switch her outfit all the time, you know, have her redrawn (laughs) in something new. And, um, you know, I, and, and because, you know, legal is legal, mm-hmm. they, you know, my general counsel was like, okay, well, you know, I don't want just anyone, you know, being the voice of this, Aliza, you know, you can handle Twitter and, um, you know, essentially you're the only one who can do it because mm-hmm. they wanted control over what we were saying. And right. I think because, you know, I was SVP of global communications at that time, I was obviously not going to go, you know, hog wild on the Twitter handle. Right. Right. Um, so I just started, I just started doing it and it was, it was really trial and error trying to see, okay, if I post about, you know, our new handbag that just arrived in store, does anyone care? Right. Do I get engagement? Or if I speak about doing a celebrity fitting, you know, what's the reaction to that? And I, and I never name dropped. It was yep. always celeb X, stylist X, but the storytelling of, of, of what the job was like was really interesting to people because fashion has always been such a closed door, Mm -hmm. you know, super card spear chest kind of industry. And I think that by giving people a fly on the wall experience as to sort of my, my role as a, you know, a PR girl living in New York, working for an amazing American brand, that was, that was interesting. So yeah, it grew, it grew. And, and I think, you know, it was two years of, me being anonymous and, you know, sort of tweeting under the table and making sure no one saw that it was on my phone. Right. And then it got 
point where it was just like everyone was on the scene from a brand <laughs> perspective. And I, you know, we all really thought we deserved credit for, you know, being the first to do it. And um, it also became such a burden to keep it a secret. So right. we were like, you know what? what? Let's just not. So, so that in and 2011, um, we sort of pulled back so, the veil. I just, I remember like so closely following and like, like your tweets were always, it was just so exciting. Cause when you shared the celeb X, I, I just, it was such a fun, it was such a fun thing that you were doing. It was, it was amazing. It was unbelievable. Of course. So would you say Twitter is your favorite social media platform? It is my favorite, um, as far as having a conversation. Okay. I, I, I still rely on it for my news. It's the first thing I check um, in the morning and it's the last thing I check before I go to sleep. And I think, you know, as, as a PR girl at heart, and I will always be a PR girl, um, you know, journalists, that's where they live and play all day Mm -hmm. long. So when you're trying to really understand, and especially as a branding person, like, when you really want to understand what's happening in pop culture, what's happening in the world, you know, what is relevant to people today. I I think that it is, it is such a sort of zeitgeist of everything. Uh Um, Instagram, of course, Instagram is fashion's favorite. Yep. So, um, I think if you're, you know, a fashion or a beauty brand, of course, Instagram is going to be your number one. And I, and I do, I, I have grown to love it. I, I would say that it was more, um, obligatory in the beginning. Yeah. I remember when I started Instagram for DKY PR girl, I was kind of like, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's high touch in the sense, like constantly thinking about like what that content looks like. Uh-huh. Um, but, but, but it is, it is something I have grown to love, especially Instagram stories, which is, is much more, I think, authentic in yes. the moment. Oh, I love Instagram stories. Um, so you, and speaking of, so back to Twitter, so you've obviously, you've mentioned before and people that follow you would know. And so m- about Jenna, so I know Jenna just got married. Congratulations to Jenna. <laughs> She's listening. Yay, Jenna. Yay, Jenna. <laughs> so I know Jenna who worked with Jenna Blackwell, although I don't know her married name now, but Jenna Blackwell worked for you for so long. Um, and you guys met through Twitter, right? right? Like that's, you hired her through Twitter. I mean, not through Twitter, but basically. So I I think that, that just, that whole story is incredible. When you did her little, um, uh, when you like, I think it was on her wedding day or the day before the story, like you literally showed the tweets about like how you guys connected. It was, it was very cool. Yeah. Very cool. It was, you know, it was pretty incredible. I mean, that's the power of social media, right? She was selling just for the listeners. Gemma was living in Austin, Texas, selling (laughs) artificial grass, like actual grass. Grass. And she DM'd me on Twitter. We were like Twitter friends because she had this like super sarcastic kind of um, amazing social personality herself. And um, she DM'd me and she's like, I really want to work in fashion. And I, and I was like, Oh my God, you know, what do you do now? And when she told me, I was like, Oh my God, mic drop. Okay. Like (laughs) how does someone who sells artificial grass, go to work in a fashion brand and, and that's exactly what she did. And, and that is the intro of my book. Yeah, I mean, it, yes, crazy. I know that it's just, it's unbelievable. She is so funny, by the way. I more recently, like I'm now following she's her on amazing. Instagram, which is, she's probably like, who are you? But I'm following, she's hysterical, by the way. <laughs> she's oh my so- God, she's hysterical. And I'm sure you've caught on to her fake sponsor post. <laughs> yes, the plants or something. Like, yes. like- <laughs> 
I love her. I like, well, I want to be your friend. So, so yeah. you guys, That's how I felt. Yeah, oh totally. my God. Amazing. So do you feel, and I, I, I hope so. And I assume, so do you feel still like in the ever changing landscape of social media, but something like that can still happen where someone reaches out via DM maybe, or whatever it is. And, and this sort of thing could still happen. Oh my God. Uh, absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, the connections we make on social on a daily basis Oh, 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 it's 100%. unbelievable. I agree. One of my closest friends now, she's been on the podcast and we connected through that. We, we totally met through Instagram. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I mean, you and I just met through yes, Instagram. We, what do you mean? And now we're going to go get drinks <laughs> at the Lowe's Regency or something. <laughs> I mean, you know. Perfect. No. So Perfect. yeah. So what, in terms of Instagram though, specifically, obviously there's been like all these articles this week on Instagram, possibly hiding the number of likes. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? They actually started rolling it out in Canada, by the way. Oh, they did? Um, Okay. Yes. Yes. I think people are starting to freak out. Um, I I actually think it's great Mm -hmm. from a younger perspective. So I think from a teenage perspective, I think that the self-esteem that is now tied to your social presence as a teen, I think is a little bit scary. Yeah. Um, and I think that is partly from what I read and I don't know what you read, but Mm -hmm. partly I think that is somewhat of the motivation, um, to get rid of the vanity metrics because a lot of people are equating it to their self-worth. And quite frankly, I know a lot of adults who do too. Sometimes um, I get so, hurt if I don't have a lot. Like I think about it like, and I'm, I'm 33. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, I think that if you are making your living um, as an influencer, it, it's, it's actually really important what your metrics are. And I, I, I think it'll be really interesting to see sort of how that plays out Um from the sort of brand influencer relationship as far as like, you know, we're always looking at not just followings, but engagement rates for influencers when we're thinking about partnerships. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I, I don't know. I think, you know, as a mom of, of two kids, one tween, one teenager, um, I, I try to make them not care so much about that yeah. because I don't think it's it is directly proportional to your self worth and it shouldn't be. No. But I understand why it can sort of blur their judgment. Absolutely. And do you have um speaking of your kids, do you have like rules in place or did you when I guess when they were even younger in terms of social media? Like are they are they're kind of just running wild with it? How is it how is it with kids and social media? I don't have kids. So- <laughs> They are private. Yeah. Um, and that's number one. Number two is um, they, I think, you know, I, I definitely look at what they're posting. Um, and we discuss sometimes, like, you know, my daughter did this one post where, like, she, like, stuck at her tongue as, like, you know, like a fun little gesture. And right. I was like, you know what, Sabrina, that's just not appropriate. Yeah. It's not appropriate. They're 11 years old. Like, I don't want to see that ever again. So, yeah, I mean, there are there are not written rules, but there's discussions that we have about it. Um, or I'll be I'll, I'll say to her, like, you're posting too many stories. People are going to unfollow you kind of <laughs> <laughs> advice. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, but, of course, you know, in typical – daughter mother form 
she's always like, you don't know what you're talking right. about. Of and I'm course like, not. actually, yeah. <laughs> you're like, actually, do you, like I would having you as a mom, they're so lucky you have, you know, you have all this information. You've done that. That's so funny. Well, you know, you know, and it's funny, Julie, because there is um, last year, you know, my son was in seventh grade and he had brought attention, uh, brought my attention to some of the posts that the girls in his class were doing. And I realized that for those girls whose mothers are not on social, uh, especially Snapchat, right. they probably had no clue what their daughters were posting. And some of it, quite frankly, was really inappropriate for the age. <sighs> so I, I'm actually um, co-president of our school's parent association. Oh. So I decided to bring in, you know, a speaker to really educate parents on social media and what they need to look out for their kids. Because, yeah. I mean, the bikini pics alone for like a seventh grader were, yeah. were out of control, you know? So wow. I think it's really important that even if a parent isn't on social media, for them to really be, you know, really be knowledgeable of, of, of what the platform's like, yeah. um, you know, That's those incredible. are disappearing, but they're still out there. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, there's just a lot that can go wrong. There's a lot. I mean, there was some, there was some like really funny meme or something the other day of like 13 year olds at this, like back then and 13 year olds now it's different. <laughs> Even like bar and bat mitzvahs. Oh. Like when I got bat mitzvah, we weren't doing the dancing that they're doing now. <laughs> oh my God. No. A hundred, well that you can thank TikTok for that. Right. Right. Um, right. You know, so I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, I feel like everyone is like, 10 years older yes. than when we were. That yes. Is. It's crazy. It really, it's crazy. Do you feel there's room for everyone to succeed on this, these, this social media crazy train and this, you know, influencer world? Is there room for everyone or is, is the blogging influencer industry just too saturated? So I think you have to think about what you want to use social for. Yeah. Like if you want to be like an influencer and you want that to be like your main job, it is going to take a really, really thought out brand strategy for how you're going to strategize your content, produce your content, and really sort of own a niche that's not out there. Yeah. Um, because organic is is a little bit dead. Yeah. So I think that if you are like, you know, take Diet Prada as an example, yeah. or you know, um, SD Laundry, like. You know, yeah. if you're like a watchdog site where you are calling brands out or calling people out, I think it's much easier to sort of gain traction because it's it's sort of salacious gossipy and right. people love to see posts like that. But if you're going to be just, you know, a fashion influencer or a beauty influencer, I think you really have to think about sort of what your voice is and 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 what your what your purposes. Right. Um, and I think right now really leaning into video and, um, you know, IGTV and YouTube and even video and stories, um, is really important because main feed is, is really not performing in the way yeah. that it used to. I mean, even if you speak, I was with the head of, um, fashion partnerships at Facebook yesterday for uh -huh. lunch. And I was saying like organic is like, I don't want to say it's dead, but it is a little bit dead because yeah. it's, there's just so much content, so much content. Right. So if you're post, if you're posting like once a day on Instagram and every person follows between 
402,000 people, mm-hmm. you are literally in a haystack. Yeah. And there's just so much content to consume. And how do you, I mean, there's so many different accounts out there. It's hard. You really, unless you started, I feel like years ago, years ago, before even Instagram and all of that, it's hard to really like stand out. You have to have like a vision, <laughs> a real vision. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's totally. t- so, yeah. So, there, yeah, so you can yeah, succeed. Fair. You can succeed, but I think I think a better route would be to use social to amplify sort of what else you're doing. Right. Right. So that it doesn't become the game of building, you know, you're building your social um, because you want it to amplify other areas of your life, but not be sort of the main entree. Right. I love that. I, that's going to be a quote that I take and put on my Instagram, actually, to promote this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love that. (laughs) So what, what do you, um, do you ever, I guess maybe not now, but back when you were starting your career, did you ever feel intimidated by your peers? And if so, this was actually a question that came through on my Instagram for you. And if so, how would, how did you shrug that off? Like, I guess if you felt intimidated or kind of like wondering too much what they're doing and getting maybe insecure on your end, like, how would you deal with that? Well, to be honest, I've always been someone who, doesn't really compare myself to other people. Um, I'll give you an example. Even starting out with DK My PR Girl, I didn't follow any other brands mm. because I didn't want to know what they were doing. Right. Um, and I've, you know, I've always been someone. I was raised to be very outspoken. Mm-hmm. Um, in my house, my parents always sort of encouraged my sister and I to be really vocal about what yeah. we liked and didn't like. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm a pretty strong personality in that sense. So I'm definitely not someone who, you know, I, I don't sort of disappear into the shadows. So even as an intern, um, I felt, you know, whether this is right or wrong, I felt very much on the same level as everybody yeah. else because I, I just, I just, that's how I was raised. So yeah. I think, you know, I, I think that, but, but with a healthy respect for, their achievement and their experience, like not to say that, you know, I, and I do say this in my book, like, you know, you're not in the club until they say you're in the club, right. You know, your, your sort of your, your management, wherever you work. Um, but I always thought that I could contribute something. Right. Um, so intimidation was not really my issue. I would say now, and I've been discussing it a lot this week, I think everyone to a degree has, has, has imposter syndrome. Yep. And I think it's really widespread with women and I have it too. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, even as I'm embarking on, you know, sort of my own thing, it's like, you kind of forget what you know or what you've accomplished. And, and you think to yourself like, Oh my God, do I know how to do this? Wait, I know how to do this. Right. right. Like, and, and I think, I think that, um, you know, it's something that we all have to really fight off because it's something that's not prevalent in males at all. No, I know. You know men just think, Men, men, you know, if you compare, you know, uh, a, a man to a woman for the same for the same uh, task at hand, I mean, if a man doesn't know how to do it, he will totally just be like, yeah, I know how to do it and yeah. then just figure it out. Whereas women's like, well, I've done something similar to that. Right. Like, not exactly. You know, it's like we we have this whole sort of mentality of like we have to be, you know, super transparent about our capabilities and, yeah. and at the end of the day, like, I think everyone's capable of so much more. Oh, so of course. I think that's, you know, really, really important. Yeah. So that'll be definitely on my podcast. For yes, sure. yes. I, I know we, we didn't even talk about your, hold on, we're going to totally switch gears for a second and talk about your podcast. Is there much you, I know you just announced you're starting it. Is there any other details you can give? Because that's going to be an incredible podcast. 
Well, thanks for the confidence. We'll see. Um, <laughs> I never count, you know, my chickens before they uh, hatch. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think that um, so it's leave your mark the podcast, right. of course. Um, and um, you know, I want it to just be really, really tangible, immediately actionable career advice. Yes, so, I love it. You know, I there'll be it'll be it'll be topic focused. So you know, whether it's salary negotiation yeah. or dealing with a bully boss or whatever. Um, and I'll have some fun some fun guests yeah. um, guests on there too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm so not there yet. But I have it's to like so exciting. Everything <laughs> together. You know, it's, it's like it's a fun, it's a fun way to extend, leave your mark. Yeah. Oh my God. It's it's I because I, I feel like this is just it was a matter of time. Like this needs to happen. You need this podcast has to happen. It's amazing. It's yeah, very it exciting. It has to happen. It has to happen. I, I hopefully, it'll happen. Sooner than later. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very excited. Okay, so going back to um, this was also a question that came on Instagram. How do you handle friends if if you experience this? How do you handle friends who aren't happy for your success, or maybe they say they're happy, but you really feel like they're maybe jealous or bitter, or co- maybe it's colleagues, not for however you want to put it, friends, colleagues, peers. Have you ever experienced that, and how would you handle it if if you are experiencing it? So yes, I have experienced it. I would say there was definitely, you know, when DKY PR girl became really big, I'm sure there were many people who were not so pleased about that in my company. Um, you know, I think that I do my best to be humble about, you know, what I've accomplished. And I truly believe that I'm never done. And I always feel like there's more to learn. There's more to do. And, you know, I try to surround myself with people who have accomplished more than I have because I want to learn also. So I think, you know, you really can't pay attention to any of those people who are not supportive. And I find I'm in a lot of different women's groups and the most successful women I know are the first to say, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. And the first to be supportive. And there's a real genuine sincerity to that sort of offering. Right. Um, so I would say don't surround yourself with people who do the opposite. Mm-hmm. And as far as colleagues go, you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm a really strong believer in you don't dim your light for anyone. I love that. You know, I think that if you work hard and you achieve great things, you deserve to be able to talk about those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone should be cocky about it and, and be someone who brags, but you know, you're allowed to sort of speak about your accomplishments. And I think women need to do that more because it's something that in general, we're not good at. Right. Um, right. You know, this morning at breakfast this is a great example. This morning at breakfast, and this is always you know how it goes it's like oh my god you look great and then the person's inevitably like oh no I mean oh you know that's because of x y and z or like someone will say to me like oh my god you have great skin I'm like oh no that's sweat right you know so so it's like we can't take a compliment right you know it's like god forbid you just say thank, thank you, you. It's like no one says that they're like making excuses like they feel bad for looking good or they feel bad for their their success. So I think, um, I think it's important to own your achievements, but important to also know that, and this is a PR thing for sure. Like you're only as good as your last success. Yeah. So you can't 
really ride on that for too long. Like right. You have to constantly be looking to innovate. Like 15 seconds of fame is literally 15 seconds of fame sometimes, right? Like, got to. 100%. Yeah. 100%. That, and, and yeah. you know, the best, the best fashion example I can give to this is whenever I've dressed a celebrity for an award show, let's say like Golden Globes, right. like Sunday night, dress someone amazing, get all this press for the brand. Monday, I walk into the office and I'm like feeling like a rock star. Yeah. By the end of Monday, it's literally like it never happened. <laughs> and it's like, okay, what's your next trick? Like right. that is PR in a nutshell. And that's sort of how I live my life. Right. I love, no, I love that. It's so true. It's like, but I also, why can't we take compliments? Cause that's happened. Like, Oh, your hair looks great today. No, it doesn't. It's so frizzy. What are you talking about? Like I, I literally, I feel uncomfortable if I have like, why it's crazy. We really should just I say thank know, you. I am. I am sure there is a psychologist who can explain this to us. <laughs> I'm going to find them. <laughs> but it is widespread. It is a widespread epidemic. It is. It's crazy. So It really is. So you have, like, the advice you've given on this podcast already, you give a lot of great advice. And what I love is that you, you. invite people to email you and you will get back to them directly. Like, you do, I mean, yes. anyone from anywhere about anything, right? Not anything. I mean, yes, yes, right. Yes. It, well, it, I mean, it tends to be career related. Correct. Like if they're, I don't but, know. Um, if <laughs> like if they're asking a question about their boyfriend or husband, you're not going to like necessarily, you know. You it, know what? They don't reach out about that. Good. Um, but yeah, so I, I really want to, you know, leave your mark. My book is a mentorship and I didn't want the mentoring to end at the end of the book. Right. So, you know, I have, I have a portal on alizalick.com, which is ask Aliza and people write in, um, from all over the world. And what's fascinating to me is that the problems that everyone has, the work-life problems are so universal. Yeah, you know, yeah. I could have someone writing in from India, um, on how to deal with her bully boss. Yeah. I had someone in Croatia who was negotiating a new salary and wanted advice. I mean, it's, mind-blowing wow. so it's so universal um yeah and I'm happy to I'm happy to write back you know tailored responses to each you know individual issue because I think it's hard to find people to give guidance and I have been very fortunate in my career where I've always had amazing supporters and amazing mentors and you know it's just my way of paying that forward because I, I think it. you know sometimes you just really have something that's so easily solved, but you, you don't, you have no idea who to ask. Right, right. Exactly. No, I think it's incredible. So if you could, I'm sure this is a tough, well, maybe not a tough one for you. If what would you say is your number one piece of advice? And I'll, I'll break it down to a specific industry. Your number one piece of advice to someone wanting to break into the fashion industry. Um, like if you could just pick one, like one thing. Um, internships are really imperative. Okay. So doing internships in college, every, whatever break you have, I, sometimes it's winter break, sometimes it's summer break. Those are really important. Most brands, um, need to give, need, need to get, sorry, most people need to get school credit for mm -hmm. the brand to be able to hire them mm -hmm. or the internships needs to be paid. So those right. are the two ways you can't really intern without either payment or school credit. Um, so interning is really important. And I think really trying to connect with people in social. Um, yeah. I've always been very, very responsive to anyone who has needed 
this type of advice on Twitter. And actually that's what led to my book in the first place. Right. Um, because I was mentoring online and I think that, you know, trying to go to different fashion related events. I mean, so many, um, media sites have great events, like for example, fashionistas, you know, how I made it in fashion event. Like you just network with like-minded mm -hmm. people and you can meet different editors and different, you know, publicists. And I think sort of immersing yourself in the world of fashion, yeah. um, is important. And, and you really do need to do that in a city that does that. Yeah. So like when Jenna yeah. asked me, you know, how do I break into fashion? I'm like, you need to come to New York. <laughs> right. That's number one. You need to come to New York. And she did. Um, but yeah. you know, you have to sort of be in it. Um, and then go from there. Right. I love that. So you give all this incredible advice. Could you say what's the best business advice you've ever received during your career, whether it was when you were starting out or at any time, what's the best advice you've been given? Oh my gosh. So <laughs> one of the things that came from my grandmother mm -hmm. actually, which I live by is, um, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. Ooh. So I have always sort of lived by that in the sense that you want to surround yourself with great people, right? Great people who are just inspiring and smart and gracious. And so I've always taken my network really seriously. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I've always tried to cultivate, um, a reputation where people hopefully think that I'm like a good friend yeah. and, um, someone who listens and someone who's willing to help. So, so that, that has been sort of a guiding principle. Yeah. Um, and you know, I've learned, you know, really from a professional standpoint, my boss and mentor, Patty Cohen, who I worked for 17 years at Donna Karen, she was the first employee at Donna Karen. Yeah. She is the ultimate, um, sort of icon for me as far as just like badass, like amazingly brilliant marketing and communications executive, but more important than those skills, um, I think, uh, is the way that she really just brought everyone up around her and yeah. she just let everyone shine and she never, you know, there was never this like, um, any ounce of competition, um, true, true mentorship. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, being that way and then, you know, sort of benefiting from that and then also taking that as a principle and then making sure that I lead that way, um, has been a priority for me. I love that. So do you believe that you are, well, I don't know the exact quote, but it's like, you are like the five people you're closest to. Do you know the quote I'm talking about or the, the, idea of like you're most similar to the or, or you the five people that are in your closest circle like you are most like like keep your network kind of positive g people that kind of um align with you do you know like oh interesting no I don't know it okay because I'm I'm totally butchering it so <laughs> I'll send it to you but it's something about like keeping you know it's basically what you're saying in in different words <laughs> which I love yeah so no, yeah I think that, yeah I think I think that's important but at the same time also like I love you know, learning from people in other industries too. Yeah. So I, I make it my business to go to conferences that are not only fashion right. or beauty related, because I think you get a lot of insight from other industries that you can bring back to your own. Right. Right. I love that. What would, um, 
before, so I have a couple more questions and then we go into my rapid fire round, which is like fun yep. questions, like first thing that comes to your head. But um, to wrap these kind of, what would you say is your biggest or what has been your biggest pinch me moment, one of them in your career thus far? I'm sure you've had plenty. You've had incredible jobs. What's been one of them? I would say the launch party for Leave Your Mark, Aww, um, yeah. which was in 2015. It was sort of dual... Um, my last it's sort of like my going away party even though I was staying till the end of the year but it was like launch of leave your mark and sort of in my mind closure of an amazing career of 17 years of Donna Karen Donna actually hosted my book party and threw the most incredible event and what was really unbelievable about it was that um like everyone from my entire career came I mean, it was probably 500 people that just, you know, when you're, you're you're like at an event and someone walks into the room and you're like, oh my God, you came. Like, I haven't seen some of these people in like 10 years, 15 years. And it was just, it was just a, it was just really, it was like graduation. It was like a culmination of everything, you know, every relationship I've made and everything I've done in fashion and, and just to feel so you know loved and supported on that night was yeah. really just like a oh my god I'm so grateful for Ugh. you know for everyone and that, um I, yeah that was really it was really special everything oh my god I'm sure that's amazing so what and, and maybe it's something like that goes back to that kind of that party or you know that moment what inspires you daily like what what if you could say what's what's your inspiration every day or maybe it changes Yeah. I mean, I would say in general, I wake up every morning thinking like one. So first of all, I have a 2019 mantra Mm. that I will share. Yes. My 2019 mantra is you never know who you're going to meet. Yeah. Love it. So I have been really, really good this year about saying yes to coffees and dinners and events that I would normally be like, oh, do I really want to go out again? (laughs) No. So I've been really, really like purposely trying to put myself in different scenarios where my guiding principle is you never know who you're going to meet. And now, especially because I'm on my own, like I feel like every day it's like, I'm almost like excited every day because I'm like, oh my God, I have no idea, like I have no idea what's going to happen today. And especially from an inbox perspective, like I have no idea like what email is going to end up in my inbox because it's not like working in a company where like all your emails are like related to that one thing. It's like, this is so eclectic. I'm really taking it as just like a fun adventure in that sense. Um, but really my, my, my sort of motivation or how I face each day is I really just want to excel and I want to keep on innovating and I want to keep being creative and I want to push myself beyond where I'm comfortable. And a lot of times I'm really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll give you a perfect example, yeah. like the podcast, even though, you know, obviously you're doing a podcast, there's tons of people who do right. podcasts. It, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I sort of drag my feet uh-huh. um, and I sort of get like a little bit like, oh, can I do this? Do I want to do this? Like, I don't know. Do I, you know, yeah. is this something I'll be good at? And then I need to make it real. I need to force myself to do it, mm-hmm. which is, which for me means make a visual branding moment on Canva yep. and then post it. So it's real. Yep. And then I'm, account- and then, and then I'm accountable. Yes. It. So for me, 
I, accountability is really important. I have to like, full, I have to um, be given some sort of deadline. Yes. Um, for me to feel like it's real, which is like with my book, for example, like I could never self-publish a book because I would never do you it. You would never but do once it. I, <laughs> no, but once someone said to me, okay, 75,000 words, six months, I was like, oh, oh okay. You're like, it. okay, got to do this. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, no, for sure. I please. I've been working on. I published a book. I self published a book a while ago. Um, about like dating in your twenties, and I've been working on a novel for literally four years because I don't have a publisher or anything. So it's myself telling me, and I haven't done it because I don't have a deadline. So I get it. Exactly. <laughs> but it's yes, true. Totally. It's true. And there, it's fun when you said the being uncomfortable. I've actually been talking about this with my therapist and some friends about. There's a quote I put on my Instagram recently about being uncomfortable. Or no, no, I'm sorry getting comfortable in the discomfort, like being comfortable with this doesn't, this yes. feels a little like nerve wracking, but it's okay. <laughs> and like doing it yeah, anyway. Totally. I love it. Well, you know, I always say, I always say that, you know, if you're, if you're not uncomfortable, then you're not progressing, right? Yes. Like you, you have, there has to be an element of uncomfortable yes. for, for there to be change. hundred percent. I love that. So what, and maybe it's what you just said, I don't know, but what lesson or motto or something would you hope to instill in not just in, in your children, of course, first and foremost, but the younger generations, like what lesson or something would you, would you think is just so important for them to take with them like every day? I think, you know, I've li I, I literally came up in the industry doing the work. Mm -hmm. And I think that you have to do the work, you have to pay your dues, you have to gain experience, and then you can progress. Yep. I think that there is a overarching mentality of success at a at really the speed of our timelines. And it and it's just that's not the reality. Yeah. And I think that people you know, nothing's going to be handed to you. You have to go for it and mm -hmm. you have to work for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an important thing to remember. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. Well now it's the fun question. Well, they're all fun, but now these are like just first thing that comes to your head. Okay. Yeah. This is my favorite okay. one. If anyone played you in a movie, who would it be? Um, I get a lot of Isla Fisher. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> I love, do you know what the movie would be called or like what the premise would be? I mean, would it be called leave your mark? Um, it would probably be called running in heels. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I love it. Okay. All right. This, this could be a major motion picture. Okay. What about, <laughs> what about, um, celebrity crush or maybe not celebrity crush, but that, or someone, do you get starstruck? Like someone you would just be like starstruck over if you met them. So celebrity crush, as far as like girl crush, yeah. I, I will always just, every time I see Blake Lively, I'm like, just, oh, she's, away. Like, and I she's just, pregnant again. I know. I know. She, and just, she looks incredible. So she's just amazing. Yeah. Um, I would say that from a, from a, you know, fangirl perspective, I really tend to gravitate toward people that I very much admire their talents for. So when I met Shonda Rhimes a few mm. years ago, mm -hmm. I had a total fangirl moment oh. of just like, I mean, she's just incredible and she was so gracious. And, um, at the time, you know, I was live tweeting scandal every Thursday night yes. as DKYPR girl. And, um, you know, and, and I was interacting with a lot of the cast on those nights and, you know, I totally was like, hi, um, you know, my name's Lisa. I, I'm sure, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but I live to scandal, PR girl. And she was like, 
I love your Twitter. And oh. I was like, what? Did you die? <laughs> I, like, I died. And of course, I was with my sister, who was the best wing woman ever. She was like, you know, she's writing a book. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and when I left, when I left the event that night, this was the best. When I left the event that night, because Shonda had asked me to send her the manuscript. And of course, I'm thinking, oh, my God. My book's going to be a TV show. I can't wait. Like, I had it all planned out in my head. And um, when I left that night, she followed me on Twitter, my uh, personal Twitter. And I was like, oh, my God. I am – I've literally – this is like a bucket list right, moment. Like, like you've made it. <laughs> totally. Um, That's awesome. Then, obviously, Leave Your Mark is on a TV show. But right. it was still Maybe. an amazing moment. One day. That's, um, that's amazing. I love it. Yeah, I love it. So I, <laughs> Yeah, and I loved her book, Year of Yes, too. It's, uh, that's actually a great book for people to read. Oh, yeah? I don't know. Yeah, Year of Yes by Year Chandra of Yes. Rhymes. Oh, I've heard it. I haven't read it, but oh, I'm sure it's amazing. It's amazing. It's motivational. And it's really her story. Like, she just used to say no to everything because she was scared of so many things. Right. And it's pretty incredible. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. She's, I love it. What about, what would be your dream fashion designer brand collaboration? Uh, God, these are hard I know. I'm Julie. sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, gosh, brand collaboration. So I like things that are mixed and unexpected. Uh-huh. So, um, let's see. I think, I would love, I know this will never happen, but I would love to see Chanel get a little bit outside of their comfort zone um, and, and sort of innovate a little bit with, with, with more of like a like-minded, but unexpected brand. I think it'd be cool. It doesn't have to be not another fashion brand, but it could even be like, you know, it could be like, um, I don't know, something in tech or something that's just like, yeah, different and cool for them. I feel like there, there's some, you know, I mean, God, you know, Carl, obviously, right. rest is so of genius, but I think it's time for them to sort of yeah. do something different. Yeah, I like it. What, um, what motto or quote do this could be like, I know you've said a lot of these incredible quotes throughout this, but what motto or quote do you try to live by every day? Is it say, say yes, or you were saying like, or, or you never know who you're going to meet? Well, that's like a mantra. I would say the quote that I really um, sort of live by um, is if change doesn't hurt a little, it's not change. Uh, Because I've constantly um, sort of disrupted my own career path. And I think that all of those times have been scary, but always been worth it. Uh. I love it. Great. Um, okay. Tell us. So now I know we have your podcast coming. We don't know when, but it's coming. What else can you tell us is next for Elisa? Is there anything we should be like, you know, anything you can share or just keep following along and you'll, and you'll share as it unfolds. So, I mean, this is like, like this is future. However, um, I will, I will embark on it. So I have an idea for a novel. Ooh. That I um, I had drinks with my former editor the other night, and I showed. So I'm very visual, and I already I have the title and I have the cover. Like oh. I designed it all on Canva. Um, so I showed her, and she was like, "Stop it! This has to be a book." And I'm like, "I know it's a good cover, right?" She's like, "No, Aliza, like you have to do it." 
And it's like, yeah, but like when, and this is our, this is the exact dance we had before. Cause I was approached to write a book. She approached me cold oh. and I said no, because I was like, I don't have time. Like, I don't want to write a book. And she like really pushed me. So I said to her, I'm like, well, I'm like, you know, I need some sort of pressure. And she's like, oh, okay, fine. So by the end of the summer, oh my God. you are going to give me chapter one. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Well, there's your deadline. So you got it. <laughs> That's right. exciting. So, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I listen, I have so, I have a you know, very vast inventory library, if you will, of just like incredible stories from my <laughs> plus 20 plus year experience in this, in this business. Yeah. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how that sort of amazing how it ends up well we'll keep an eye so where can i'm sure most people know but where can everyone follow you on all the things so it's instagram is aliza licked xo because someone took my name early on and i I remember that yeah um and then um twitter is aliza licked website's alizalick.com easy enough easy enough amazing well thank you so much for doing this this was i feel like there was just so many nuggets of wisdom in this it's amazing No, it's so great. You asked great questions, Julie. Thank you. Oh, thank you. That means so much to me. Well, thank you so much. So follow Aliza Licht on all the things. And you can always follow me at JulieLauren14 on pretty much everything as well. And thank you all so much for listening. Goodbye. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.